The following program has been paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church. From the heart of the Pacific, in Honolulu, Hawaii. Church presents the Kingdom of God Crusade. Join us now for another hour of worship with Pastor Han, the church choir, and the band. We hope and pray that you'll find this next hour a blessing. Shalom and good morning. I'm Pastor Blihan Jr. Thank you for joining us today. We welcome you to the Kingdom of God Crusade Telecast, being brought to you every Sunday morning, not only here in Hawaii from 8 to 9 a.m., but also in parts of California, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV, channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC, channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBTV, channel 8, and Comcast channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV, channel 28 in Eureka, from 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV, channel 11 in Monterey, from 6 to 7 a.m. on Charter Cable Channel 1519 in Los Angeles, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KQTA-TV, channel 15.3 and Comcast channel 238 in San Francisco, Oakland, and San Jose. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY, Channel 9 in El Central California and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR, Channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO, Channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW, Channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, and parts of Nevada and Wyoming and from 6 to 7 a.m. on Time Warner Cable Channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like more information on our church and view our Kingdom of God Crusade telecast in its entirety, be sure to visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. The Apostolic Faith Church, located at 1043 Middle Street, is the headquarters of the gospel of the Kingdom of God for the whole world with a sign on the roof of the temple, Jesus Coming Soon. A landmark in Cali for 100 years, and our prayer tower, the first of its kind in Hawaii, dedicated exclusively for prayer. The church was founded by the late Charles and Ada Bilabam on August 4, 1923, and passed on to our late chief pastor, William M. Hans Sr. in 1959, who continued the gospel to its fullness. We hope and pray that this telecast will draw you closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and be a real blessing to you, our television audience, saints wherever you are, and the shut-ins, that is those of you in the hospitals and convalescent and homes. And should you need prayer or someone to pray over you, please don't hesitate to call the phone number designated at the conclusion of the telecast. We begin the musical portion of our Kingdom of God Crusade telecast with the men and women of our church choir singing the song entitled, Come, Come Unto Me. Will you hear the call of the Lord saying, Come up hither? 
He's listening and waiting for our earnest pleas, inviting him into our hearts. Jesus calls us once, twice, thrice, and then no more. Be ready, viewers.
praising Jesus and lifting his name to the highest mountaintop, is where our church band places him. Under my direction, they will play for us this thought-provoking tune entitled, I'd Rather Have Jesus. Read in part Acts 16.31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. <laughs>
want to see Jesus today, while well, he still can be found, First Chronicles 16:11 states, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face continually. The joy of the Lord is our strength. In him we will find all the comfort and solace we need. Our soloist, Christy Hahn, will sing for us his beautiful song entitled, O Love That Will Not Let Me Go. Wilt not let me go. I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back the life I owe that's in thine ocean depths flow may richer fuller be O light that followeth all my way I yield my flickering torch to blaze its day may brighter not let me Once again, we have our church choir singing the song entitled, I Know That He Still Cares. 
a statement that will ring true throughout the ages. To our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ returns in clouds of glory to rapture us home. Please join in singing as the words appear on your screen. Delighting us on her cello will be instrumentalist Seneca Rose Hahn, playing the melodious tune entitled, He Leadeth Me. Are you letting Jesus lead you? Are you taking the path of righteousness, or are you choosing the walk to walk the wide road which leads you to destruction?
Husband and wife, Associate Pastor Timothy and Emilia Hahn Sr. will sing this uplifting song titled, The Battle Belongs to the Lord. Give your all to Jesus with trusting faith and let him fight your battles. He's our Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. It gives me great pleasure to dedicate this wonderful song to Terry Kamano of Oahu Hawaii. May the Lord continue to smile down upon you and pour bountiful blessings down and overflowing. Enjoy your dedication. Have a fantastic Sunday. Heavenly armor will enter the land. The battle belongs to the Lord. The weapon that's fashioned against us will stand. The battle belongs to the Lord. And we sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Darkness comes in like a flood. The battle belongs to the Lord. He's raised up a standard, the power of his blood. The battle belongs to the Lord. And we sing glory, honor, power, and strength to the Lord. We sing glory. Presses in heart, do not fear. The battle belongs to the Lord. Take courage, my friend, your redemption is near. The battle belongs to the Lord, and we sing glory, honor, power, and strength to the Lord. We sing glory. And praise the Lord, everyone. I'm Associate Pastor Melvin Honda, and I would like to repeat our television time, stations, and locations in the continental United States for our viewing audience, especially if any of you plan to visit or reside in California. These telecasts can now be viewed every Sunday morning from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC channel 13 in Palm Springs, 
from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBTV Channel 8 and Comcast Channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV Channel 28 in Eureka. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV Channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on Charter Cable Channel 1519 in Los Angeles. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KQTA-TV Channel 15.3 and Comcast Channel 238 in San Francisco, Oakland, and San Jose. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY Channel 9 in El Centro, California, and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR Channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO Channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW Channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, and parts of Nevada and Wyoming and from 6 to 7 a.m. on Time Warner Cable Channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like to know more about our gospel work and view our Kingdom of God Crusade telecast in its entirety, please visit our website on JesusComingSoon.org. And now concerning the schedule of gospel services here in our home state, Hawaii, services are held at the temple every Tuesday and Friday at 7 p.m. Sunday, Sunday gospel services start at 10 a.m. and divine healing services at 7 p.m. Sunday school for all ages begin at 9 a.m. and prayer services held every daily in the prayer tower at 2 p.m. except on Friday at 10 a.m. At Okamiki Branch Church located at 1361 Palolo Avenue, gospel services are held on Wednesday evenings only at 7 p.m. The same schedule is observed by neighbor island branch churches as services are also conducted by Pastor Reginald V. Castaneri Sr. in Kanakakai Molokai, by Pastor Walter I. Tin Loy in Hilo, Hawaii, by Pastor Leonard K. Waasano Sr. in Koloa, Kauai, by Pastor Hannibal Espero in Balogo, Pikawayan, and by Pastor Vesper Espero in President Rojas, Cotabato, Mindanao, Philippines. At our Maui Branch Church in Lahaina, Maui, services are held every second Sunday of the month. You are welcome to attend these services regardless of church affiliations. There are no collections, however, if you desire to voluntarily contribute to support these telecasts and the Lord's work, you may do so by sending your donations to the address designated at the conclusion of the telecast. And now, I'd like to return our program back to Head Pastor Billy Hahn Jr., who will bring forth his Spirit-directed and Spirit-inspired sermon. Pastor Billy? It is God's desire that all people come unto Him in full repentance and receive His salvation full and free. Those who respond and obey His command will be blessed bountifully, spiritually, materially, and physically, and even financially. The soul who rejects and rises up against the Lord shall be devoured by the sword, and there shall be no remedy for His tragic end. Do we dare provoke the Lord to jealousy? Do we dare contend our strength is greater than His? God forbid. He has the power to save, the power to devastate, the power to heal, the power to curse, the power to overcome, and the power to bless. I invite you to partake in today's message entitled, Spiritual Organization. And I pray that by the time it concludes, you will be encouraged to seek the Lord whose powers are limitless and can sustain you in every way. The age-long struggle in the realm of Christianity has been a battle. In seeking to advance the kingdom of God, 
we find the Holy Spirit and the church on one side. And on the other side, we find Satan and all his satanic forces. Despite all the persecution, mocking, and scoffing, Jesus tells us the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church of God still stands and will stand until Jesus returns. In the fifth chapter of Acts, we find Satan working through Ananias and Sapphira. Their sin consisted in lying to the Holy Spirit and not keeping, in keeping back their property, and death fell upon them. Great fear fell upon the people and multitudes. Believed. The apostles were arrested by the religious leaders. They were beaten and commanded to preach Jesus no more. But they went out rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Instead of the church becoming weaker, it grew stronger. Whenever that happens, Satan decides to attack from the inside. He starts a campaign of criticism and fault. It works the same way today. But we do not fear any persecution from the outside. No one is going to stop us from holding services. No one is going to stop us from attending services. Thus the devil does his work within the church. And that is the reason for many quarrels and split-ups. When these things happen, things are divided. People are hurt, and many people leave the faith. There is no need for any church to have these quarrels. They are based on trivialities, on gossip, hearsay, and misunderstandings. There are six things the Lord hates. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Read in Proverbs 6, 17 to 19. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. When true born-again believers go quarreling among themselves, Satan sits back and laughs. However, when the saints band together in unity, the devil gets a black eye. Listen to Acts 6.1. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. There were two groups in the church, the Jews and the Greeks. The church had grown so large that this distribution among the congregation had become a major problem. The Grecians felt that the Grecian widows were not getting a fair share. Therefore, they began to complain. Listen to verses 2, 3. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And the saying pleased the multitude. 
someone said, there are two courses for us to take. We are either to be preachers of the gospel or welfare workers. You will remember that our Lord instructed us to go out and preach the gospel to every creature. I think that we ought to give our time to the ministry and let the church elect others to take care of all those material matters. This matter was taken in prayer. The matter was discussed and decisions that would be best for the church were made. Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, Philip and Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Primanus, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, were chosen. We note here that the apostles put the redemptive side above the gospels, above the social side. They said it is all right to feed people and help them to have better living condition. But the most important part of the church's work is preaching the gospel and working on the salvation of souls. Some religious leaders were contenting. The old time religion is out of date. Therefore, they should not preach about salvation. The name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and about heaven and hell, because they were all outmoded. Instead, they were to preach on better living conditions, shorter work hours, better wages, world peace, tolerance, and racial prejudice. However, TV viewers, we must preach the gospel, including Jesus who was crucified for the sins of the whole world. We must get men into the right relationship with God. And then all of these things will work for them that love God. Yes, give us that old time religion. If it was good enough for Paul and Silas, it is good enough for us today. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. The men that were chosen were called deacons. What kind of men were to be chosen? One, there were to be proven men. Deacons were not to be elected until the Lord had every reason to believe that they were fit for the office. They were to prove their worthiness by living the life, prove their faithfulness in all things, including their tithing and offerings, their loyalty and cooperative spirit. Two, there were to be consecrated men, full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. Three, there were to be sound in scripture principles. Let us read in 1 Timothy, third chapter, verses 8 to 12. Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given too much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. And let these also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own house well. For there were to be men full of wisdom and understanding. It was not necessary for them to be college or seminary school graduates. All they needed to have was good common sense. For the believer, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit himself is the anointing by which the born-again believer is set apart for service unto the Lord. Listen to Acts 1.8. But he shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And he shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. 
crucified. They were to be men of loyalty. They were to be loyal to Jesus Christ and be steadfast in their convictions. They were to be loyal to the church. They were to be loyal in their serving and their giving. They were to be loyal to their pastor, as you read in Hebrews 13, 17. Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as that they must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. If every church operated strictly by these biblical codes and qualifications, we would have the best deacons in the church. The word deacon comes from a word which means servant. Thus, they were to be servants of the church. They were elected to set up quarrels and misunderstandings, not to start them. As we think of labor, we think of the Old Testament incident where Moses was overworked. His father-in-law said, as you read in Exodus 18, 18, thou wilt surely wear away, both thou and this people that is with thee. For this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. Jethro advised Moses to select some able men to help. Let us read verse 22. And let them judge the people at all seasons. And it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto thee but every small matter they shall judge. So shall it be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. Moses took his father-in-law's advice, and the plan worked out well. The Bible is the most sensible book of advice in the world. What did the church do next? They set these men before the preachers, and the preachers ordained them. How did they perform the ordination? We read in Acts 6, 6, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. The laying on of the hands accompanied by prayer was also used in divine healing. Oil, a symbol of the Holy Ghost, and a token of ordination for special service. We also read in verse 7, And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Can you imagine even the priests accepted Jesus Christ as their personal savior? This ought to be happening in every church. Stephen, one of the seven chosen, became a great preacher. He was one of the greatest figures in the early church because he was the first Christian martyr. When he began preaching, he had great power and God prospered his work. Stephen preached on the new order of things since all in the old order. The old things had been nailed to the cross. Stephen spoke of the greater things. He spoke of a greater person than Moses, a greater sacrifice than all the bullocks, sheep, and goats offered on the Jewish altars. He spoke of a greater day than the Sabbath. He preached the superiority of Jesus in comparison to all things in the dispensation of the Old Testament. Naturally, the enemies of the gospel became angry. Finally, Stephen was brought to trial. As we read in Acts 6, 12 to 15, and they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council and set up false witnesses which said, this man ceases not to speak blasphemous words against his holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council looked steadfastly on him, saw his face that has been the face of an angel. In my opinion, when Jesus is in a man's heart as he was in Stephen's heart, 
a man becomes different even on the outside. If you want to have a new look, that is a look of a shining face, just come to the cross. Come to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Yes, viewers, open your hearts to him. Let him come in and possess you, and he will make a different you. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The new man is one who has been born again as distinguished from the old man. He is a new man, having become a partaker of the divine nature and life. And in no sense is he the old one made over or improved. The new man is Christ, formed in the believer. Jesus tells us you must be born again. If you were to ask your friends and acquaintances, how does one get to heaven? You would probably receive as many answers as the number of friends you asked. Some suggest that you keep the golden rule. Some may say that you must keep the Ten Commandments. Or some may say, just do the best you can and be honest. But when you are dealing with something as important as your eternal life in heaven, you want something more than just the opinion of men. You want the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. You want to know what God's word and not man's word has to say about eternal life. Jesus said in John 3, 5, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. What does the term born again mean, you ask? This is the most important question. And because so many persons have never realized that there is only one way to get to heaven, some have already gone into eternity lost and bound for hell and not heaven. Let us see what being born again means according to the Bible, the Word of God. It takes water baptism and the baptism of the Spirit, which is speaking in tongues, the only Bible evidence of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit to get into the kingdom of God. You can't have one without the other. What God had joined together, let no man put asunder. Why argue with God? He tells us he must be born again. The question is, how can we be born again? Peter told those who rejected and crucified the Lord the following in Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and he shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. In this verse, we find that when you repent and are baptized, God promises he will take away your sins and remove them as far as the east is from the west and grant you the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is your passport to heaven. The promise of God are yea and amen. God sent the Lord Jesus Christ to pay the death penalty for the sins of sinful men. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Jesus is our only hope for this lost and dying world, which is headed for destruction. Reading Acts 4.12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. This verse tells us plainly that outside of the name of Jesus, no one can be saved. Therefore, the mission of the early church was not to be an organization, but to be an organism. The spiritual church is one. Let's read in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 14. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. 
For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Therefore, it is not a social club organized and supported solely for the benefit of its members. It is not a place of amusement to pander the carnal nature of man. It is not a house of merchandise, but a house of prayer. Neither is it a reform bureau to save the bodies of men, but it exists to work on the salvation of souls. The reformation of men is very commendable as all forms of social service, but that is not the mission of the church. The world was just as full, if not full, of the evils that afflict society today. In the days of Jesus, but he never did, nor did the apostles organize any reform agencies. He knew that the source of all evils in the world was sin, and the only way to eradicate sin was through Jesus. Reading John 1.29, The next day John see Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And that sin is unbelief in Christ Jesus. Jesus gave the world the gospel of the kingdom of God, and the mission of the church was and still is to preach the gospel to every creature. Reading Mark 16, 15 to 18, and he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And they went forth, not fifth, and preached everywhere, the Lord working in them with signs following. As you've seen in the early church, the church had its origin in the mind of God before the foundation of the world, yet it did not exist until after Christ's ascension. He prepared his disciples. He took them to Caesarea Philippi and there asked a question, Whom do men say I am? Reading Matthew 16, 14, 17. And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, By whom say ye that I am? In other words, he wanted a direct answer from his apostles, not from any man or anyone else. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Now we find in the 18 verses church mentioned for the first time. Let us read. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The word Peter is taken from the Greek petros, meaning a piece of rock movable stone. The word rock in this verse is translated from another Greek word, Petra, meaning a mass of rock, an essential rock. Our Lord Jesus was not stating here that his church will be built upon Peter, but upon this essential rock, that is the fact of his deity, which Peter had just confessed. The use of the word rock was understood by the Jews to whom our Lord was speaking. When Moses smote the rock in the wilderness, the rock was a symbol of the Son of God. Had the Lord meant that the church was to be founded on Peter, certainly the latter would have understood this promise. Yet in his first epistle, Peter indicated no such thing. 
The keys of the kingdom was promised to Peter. The first key was used on the day of Pentecost. The gospel was given to the Jews. The second key was used seven years later when the gospel was given to the Gentiles in the house of Cornelius, a Roman centurion. Gentiles were despised by Jews because they considered the Gentiles to be outcasts away from God and not privileged to enjoy his blessings. However, we read in Acts 10, 34 to 35, then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Wouldn't it be wonderful if that spirit of attitude prevailed, there would be no racism. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power, and he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Thus must all prophets continue to witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Ephesians 2, 19, 22 describes the church as the temple of God. Let us read, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are built together for inhabitation of God through the Spirit. And the church down through the centuries has been growing and will continue to grow. If you'd like to know more about God's Word, the church, and review the telecast presentation in its entirety, please visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. Until our next telecast, this is your host, Head Pastor Blayon Jr., expressing my sincerest appreciation to each of you who have allowed us to come to your homes. May the good Lord bless and keep you all in the hollow of His hands. Our church band will close out another wonderful hour of fellowship with this song entitled, Feasting with My Lord.
The preceding program was paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church.